0: NCATS is the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences.
1: Our mission is to turn basic science observations into health solutions. We build robust platforms and technologies that are more predictive to help us get an understanding of how we can advance science faster and better, more effectively.
0: It's the arm of the National Institutes of Health aiming to
1: bring more treatments to all people more quickly.
0: And NCATS does it by funding entities nationwide including the CTSI in our community.
1: The CTSA program revolutionizing health to turn science into clinical care faster, addressing health disparities, responding to urgent public health needs, and just leading, in general, the field of translational science.
0: Discover how NCATS is where science goes to become health. Inside this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. Welcome to CTSI Discovery Radio. I'm your host, Brian Belmer. CTSI Discovery Radio is brought to you by the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin. The CTSI is a consortium of researchers, doctors, scientists, and others representing eight institutions, including the Medical College of Wisconsin, Milwaukee School of Engineering, Marquette University, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, Children's Wisconsin, Fratert Hospital, Versity Blood Center of Wisconsin, and the Zablocki VA Medical Center. The CTSI works collaboratively across all of our member institutions. Our mission is advancing health through research and discovery. Recently, the CTSI was honored to welcome Dr. Joni Rudder from the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences, or NCATS, to the Medical College of Wisconsin. In her role as Acting Director, Dr. Rudder oversees NCATS complex, multidimensional programs aimed at overcoming scientific and operational barriers that slow the development and delivery of new treatments and health solutions. Under her leadership, NCATS supports innovative tools and strategies to make each step of the translational science process more efficient in turning promising research discoveries into real-world applications to improve our nation's health. During her visit, Dr. Rudder gave a presentation titled NCATS, Where Science Goes to Become Health. Today, we hear portions of her presentation beginning with her explanation of her talk's title.
1: Research to me is about all of us working together to achieve a common goal. That's what I want to talk to you about today. What is NCATS? Who are we? And I like to think of us as being the place where science goes to become health. So that's the catchy title we have.
0: Then Dr. Rutter dives right in, sharing one of the monumental changes NCATS and medical research face.
1: So there are about 10,000 diseases that we think are out there, probably more. There are about 7,000 rare diseases with known molecular basis, and only about 500 of those have a treatment. So 95% of all diseases out there don't have therapy available.
0: She says this is largely because we're stuck in old school drug development approaches to treatment.
1: Right now, it takes 10 to 15 years and $2.6 billion to bring a drug to market. And there's a failure rate of about 90%.
0: That's a lot of time and money for a very large failure rate, mostly due to lack of efficacy and safety in drug development in human testing. When
1: it gets into humans, it fails because we don't have the right safety and efficacy data out there. We tend to use mouse models to indicate what might be happening in humans, but are we at a point in time where we need to advance our technologies to help us understand what might be happening in humans, help us predict what might be happening in humans? So we need these new technologies and better predictive tools across the translational pipeline spectrum to be able to get there. These are some of the problems translational science and NCATS is trying to solve.
0: So... NCATS is building end-to-end solutions to address these types of bottlenecks in translational research.
1: Our mission is to turn basic science observations into health solutions, developing cross-cutting collaborations and partnerships, doing outreach and engagement with communities. We build robust platforms and technologies that are more predictive to help us get an understanding of how we can advance science faster and better and more effectively. And by doing all of these things, then we can take more productive risks to remove the scientific and operational barriers holding us back.
0: And thereby achieving their goal to
1: bring more treatments to all people more quickly.
0: Dr. Rudder explains how NCATS does this using the analogy of a translational science pipeline.
1: When we talk about translational science, it's taking something from basic science, that pre-discovery space, and moving that forward through drug discovery, preclinical development, through clinical trials, phase one, phase two, phase three, all the way through FDA approvals, and then post-marketing and evaluation. So this is the T0 to T5.
0: But with the translational science pipeline, just like any pipe...
1: They get crud in the pipe that tend to crimp the pipe. So what that means is that there are barriers to how we can move more efficiently and much more quickly. Those barriers can be operational. They might be financial or administrative, or they might be scientific problems. If you have crimps in that pipeline, The flow rate is determined by those crimps. And so we got to tackle all of those areas along the entire pipeline, the entire spectrum of translational science to be most effective.
0: While the pipeline is a simple analogy that works, Dr. Rudder tells us that translational science is indeed complex.
1: It's a vast space, from cells to society. This is the entire spectrum that we're working in. But when you look for each individual area within that pipeline, it's even more complex than that.
0: Complex, not the least of which, because in translational science...
1: We don't study a particular disease or disorder. We study all of them. And our reason for doing so is so that we can understand the difficulties in the disease and try to affect that disease.
0: So to sum it all up...
1: Translational science, then, is the field of investigation focused on understanding the scientific and the operational principles underlying each step of this translational process. It's about understanding the challenges and identifying those roadblocks that prevent us from doing translation better. And then determining what we can do, how we can build resources and tools to then remove those roadblocks. And then find solutions, of course, that can employ those principles for other activities that we do down the road. So that's the whole idea behind translational science.
0: In promoting and supporting translational science, Dr. Rudder says NCATS has three main goals. The
1: first goal is more treatments. So We want to bring more treatments to all people more quickly. And if we want to bring more treatments through that pipeline, as I mentioned, there's only 5% of diseases with a treatment. What if we can increase that just fivefold? That's 25% of diseases that could have a treatment.
0: In order to achieve that goal,
1: We want to enable the development and use of platform technologies that are not designed for one disease, but for many diseases and help a variety of diseases that perhaps use a similar system or molecular pathway and identify those so that we can affect a variety of diseases, find what's common across diseases to affect that change. We want to think about new initiatives on more treatment modalities, taking advantage of the fact 80% of rare diseases are due to a single gene causing a disease. What if we could provide the functional copy of that gene, gene therapy, gene targeted therapies, gene editing? These sorts of modalities would be new modalities to get to more treatments and really be able to increase 5% to 25%.
0: NCAT's second main goal
1: is about getting to all people. We wanna dramatically increase the inclusivity in all areas of science that we support. Again, it's not just about the science, but it's about the workforce. It's about addressing health disparities among all racial ethnic underserved populations that are out there.
0: Dr. Rudder says in achieving this goal.
1: We wanna prioritize developing strong community engagement partnerships. We wanna train the next generation of translational scientists to make sure that they understand the principles of translational science so that can be applied much more broadly. And again, emphasizing a workforce that reflects the population. And this is going to help not just advance the science, but also improve our ability to get commercial interest across a variety of places for rare diseases, for example, where there is no commercial interest, and raise the vote for rare diseases included in this all-people category.
0: NCAT's third main goal, getting these things more quickly.
1: As I mentioned, it takes 10 to 15 years to get a drug to market. I'd like to cut that in half, and I think we can do it.
0: And she explains how.
1: Building better team science, people who can speak languages across that translational science spectrum is going to be very important. And that's going to be one of the ways in which we can build this. Building better predictive models to help that translational science spectrum even faster. Data science is going to be an important field to this more quickly aspect because we'll have different tools, artificial intelligence, machine learning, quantum computing to help us and make sense of data and turn that data into knowledge.
0: So again, NCAT's main goals.
1: In a nutshell, three big goals, more treatments to all people
0: more quickly. NCATS aims to achieve these goals through the collective research and collaborative works of 60-plus entities funded by grants from the Center's Clinical and Translational Science Award Program. The CTSI of Southeast Wisconsin is one of them.
1: The CTSA program, revolutionizing health to turn science into clinical care faster, effective partnerships and collaborations, addressing health disparities, responding to urgent public health needs through proactive activities, promoting training and career support, and just leading, in general, the field of translational science.
0: Dr. Rudder says the entities created through the CTSA program have been vital in advancing translational science, especially during COVID.
1: We would not be where we are today without the CTSA programs and their involvement in helping us respond to the COVID pandemic.
0: She cites a variety of examples, including... On the preclinical side,
1: we've supported at NCATS through a public-private partnership with industry, pharmaceutical companies, and organizations bringing data to researchers about what vaccines and medications are doing in response to the different viral variants that we've experienced. Alpha, beta, delta, Omicron. What are the different kinds of medications that are effective for these different variants? So we want to make that data immediately available to the broader research community. And so we have something called an open data portal to do exactly that.
0: And on the clinical side... This
1: is where the CTSA program has really shined. Clinical trials, we've been involved in a variety of these, and the CTSA program, again here, has led the way. This is accelerating COVID treatments and interventions and vaccines. And again, the CTSAs have been the leaders of this space to enroll, recruit, and do these trials.
0: One final point in Dr. Rutter's presentation is NCAT's commitment to equity. Focusing on what she calls the three R's.
1: Equity in terms of racial equity, rural equity, and rare disease equity. And again, these are areas that the CTSA program has been very much involved in a variety of ways.
0: For example.
1: The RADx UP program. This is to help ensure that everyone, but especially those who are underserved, have access to COVID-19 testing. And focus on those communities that are the hardest hit by the pandemic. And I know that this CTSI here in Wisconsin is very much involved. In RADX, Fight COVID Milwaukee, that's really been a quite powerful program. You're meeting the communities where they are, and I'm excited to see this continue to advance. And once we get past the pandemic, we will. This will, again, be very important to make sure that the communities come with us too past the pandemic. Let's learn what we can to make sure that we don't leave communities behind. It's so important to have that community engagement for helping us bring more treatments to all people more quickly.
0: By the way, you can learn all about Fight COVID Milwaukee by going back and listening to episode number 93 of our show. In the days following her visit to Milwaukee, we had an opportunity to speak with Dr. Rutter to expand on some of the ideas shared in her presentation and beyond. Dr. Rutter first reflected on the meaning behind the title of her presentation on NCATS.
2: science goes to become health. You know, at the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, we have 27 different institutes and centers trying to impact our fundamental knowledge about health outcomes, the very nature of people and other organisms, what makes them healthy, what makes them unhealthy, and then using that knowledge to then understand how to enhance their health. And so the National Center for Advancing Translational Science, NCATS, is meant to translate that basic science into health solutions. So our NCATS mission builds on that last piece of the NIH mission to turn it into fundamental knowledge of enhancing health, lengthening life, and reducing illness.
0: Furthermore, Dr. Rudder says on the NCATS website, it stated...
2: catalyze the generation of innovative methods and technologies that will enhance the development, testing, and implementation of diagnostics and therapeutics across our wide range of human diseases and conditions. So what I like to say is our mission is simply to turn basic science observations into health solutions. And it's using that NIH engine, creating those health advances through basic research, and then turning them into health discoveries that can impact patients' health that makes it so important for us. So that's why I made it that catchy title.
0: Helping NCATS carry out their mission is, again, the entities created by their Clinical and Translational Science Award program. Perhaps never has this been more true than during the COVID pandemic. Oh,
2: absolutely. The CTSA program is part of the leadership of the United States and our response to the pandemic ctsas bring the local and the regional and the national capacity all at once certainly they're working in the local environments in their own communities and that can be expanded out to their regional impacts but over the pandemic that ability to come together as more of a national capacity has really helped us respond to the pandemic
0: she points to an ongoing national clinical trial as an example of this
2: the Accelerating COVID-19 Therapeutics Interventions and Vaccines, or ACTIVE, program. This is a public-private partnership with a variety of pharmaceutical and industry and organizational partners, as well as with the NIH and other health and human services agencies. And we've pulled together to do a variety of clinical trials, and the CTSA program has really led in that space of doing those clinical trials. Something that has been adjacent to that is on the convalescent plasma clinical trials, where the Wisconsin CTSA, I was part of some of those key contributions to our understanding of potential treatments.
0: Learn more about our local CTSI involvement in the National Contained COVID Convalescent Plasma Clinical Trial by listening to episode number 82 of our show. By the way, Dr. Rudder stresses the vitality of community engagement with this or any clinical research. The
2: community engagement that strong within the community of listeners that you have, that community engagement machine has been the big reason we've moved so rapidly. And I'd be remiss to say that this is just about the CTSI program in Wisconsin. This is also about the robust participation from the communities that the CTSA serve. So to all of your listeners out there, thank you so much for participating in these clinical trials and the clinical research that the CTSA programs are doing. And I can tell you, the CTSA programs around the country have tremendous respect for the community. That we serve and are always seeking to interact even more with them.
0: Although still in the midst of the pandemic, does she see the CTSA program having momentum once we're eventually post COVID?
2: trial work, I want to give you some of the other work that the CTSA program as a whole has contributed to. One of the more innovative aspects was direct from the CTSA program, and that's something called the National COVID Cohort Collaborative. It's also called N3C, and N3C was a big deal because here in the United States, we don't have a standard way to collect electronic health record information across the country which means that there's no standard way to look at electronic health records for research.
0: But N3C, which has been specifically focused on COVID, is changing that.
2: N3C created a secure national resource of electronic health records from COVID-exposed individuals and then made those data available to researchers to help understand in near real time the impacts of the pandemic and the interventions that are created for it.
0: And that's a big deal. Well,
2: it's a big deal because these health records across the country are not harmonized with one another and so they come in different formats. So we need to compare apples to apples and N3C was the key innovation to do exactly that. So for example if you go to a doctor in Wisconsin they might get your height and weight in inches and in pounds but at another doctor somewhere else they might capture that information in centimeters and grams. N3C takes all of the data and makes sure that the values are all converted to one standard. So you can see why it's really important to have those variables converted in the right way and on a standard platform. And I'm talking about weight and height. Imagine all of the different variables and clinical manifestations COVID has brought upon us, neurological issues or lung and breathing issues. And so this National COVID Collaborative was really another key innovation that the CTSA program led. And I think going forward, post-COVID, that will be one of those key lessons learned from this.
0: Another key innovation developed during COVID that will pay dividends going forward
2: called an Open Data Portal, which is a collection of over 10,000 data sets to date that have evaluated a variety of screens from industry partners and other partners related to assays to understand the effectiveness of vaccine and therapeutics on each of the new viral variants that we hear about. This Open Data Portal makes these data accessible so that the scientific community can benefit from what is known in a very easy-to-use dashboard and view. So this is another key feature of using the power of data to help inform us how it might impact what we know about the diseases under study, in this case COVID-19. But moving beyond that, these are lessons learned that we need to keep in the fore so that we don't lose that approach and apply it to other diseases that are much in need of this concerted effort as well. So there are lots of lessons we can use from the pandemic and continue to move them forward very well.
0: As mentioned, Dr. Rudder recently visited the CTSI, and she says four things in particular made an impression on her. First,
2: the ability of the leadership to take the CTSI program and the funding that comes with it developing the infrastructure that's needed to support the body of work that they conduct in the community. And they've been able to use that to leverage ways to get additional resources from other private organizations to help support and add to that work. So they have taken the funding and they've essentially doubled it because of the infrastructure that they have and the confidence in the community they serve that they can do even more with additional funding. And so that shows you there is confidence in the CTSA program and what they contribute to the of health and disease within the communities we serve.
0: The second impression?
2: It's the CTSI of Southeast Wisconsin. That's right, but for example, Discovery Radio, this reaches many different states within the U.S., many different countries across the world. That reach is really incredible. It's not just the local and regional outreach this CTSI provides. It's using resources like the radio and the podcast to help ensure that discoveries can be disseminated across the world. I can't thank you enough for the work that you are doing with this Discovery Radio, so thank you. There's a Council of Faith that was very robust, and there's a 500-STARS program, which is seeking to really educate people who are in high school and beyond to employ people within the Milwaukee area, science cafes, that increase the health and research literacy of the population that the CTSI serves through a very informal setting where people can learn a little bit more about the science being conducted in their backyard, and I think that's really incredible.
0: The third impression
2: on COVID-19 specifically and something that's called the Fight COVID Milwaukee Project. And this is through the RADX UP program through the NIH. It works to understand and reduce disparities for vulnerable populations who are disproportionately affected by COVID-19. And they have conducted incredibly impactful work. And they had some sobering statistics that are important and probably very generalizable across the nation about the minority population being underserved by health research and reflected in the statistics that we're seeing we can use that information to then go back into our health systems to identify ways that we can reach those communities better, target those communities to make sure that we don't see those inequities, or those gaps, and those health outcomes. I was really impressed by that impactful work the Fight COVID Milwaukee project had done.
0: And the fourth impression...
2: The Accelerating Medical Product Development Project. So this is the AMP project that they talk about, working with a variety of innovators across the region to develop drugs, devices software, clinical delivery approaches, and all of these are working in a space to address unmet medical needs and to achieve together what they can't do individually. Their whole goal is to really make these connections across Southeast Wisconsin, to bring these innovative people together and to help advance health impacts even faster and better across this kind of a network.
0: In her presentation, Dr. Rudder talked about precision medicine. As follow-up, we asked her, where exactly is healthcare with precision medicine? Are we still in the early stages, or is it now somewhat commonplace in some areas of healthcare?
2: That's a good question. I think the answer is kind of both. I would say we are not where we need to be in precision medicine. We're still fairly early in our infancy in terms of using precision medicine to direct how we develop medications and therapeutics and then apply them in the clinical setting. But we get closer and closer every day. At the same time, this is not a new concept. Precision medicine has been around for 50 years or even more, actually.
0: And when you think about it, that's true. For instance... When
2: you think about wearing glasses, I wear glasses myself. And if you think about medication development, like the glasses that we wear, my glasses are tailored, of course, to my prescription that my eyes have. But there's a platform that is being used to develop those glasses. And that is, you know, you go to your eye doctor and you help select and you hone where your prescription ends up. And it's that collaboration, that partnership with the eye doctor that gets you to the right spot. In a very similar fashion, I think that's where we are with precision medicine. We're at a fairly early stage in terms of broader generalizability to see that kind of impact across all diseases.
0: To illustrate her point about developing platforms, Dr. Rudder refers back to something from her presentation at MCW.
2: In the rare disease space, there are 7,000 rare diseases. And so if we go at a a one-disease-at-a-time pace, like you might think about for precision medicine, that's kind of missing the whole point. We want to create platforms that can find what's common across those rare diseases so that we can address those rare diseases at a more than one disease at a time pace. And in many ways, this is exactly what we do for rare diseases is we try to develop what those platforms are by working with the eye doctor. Here we're working with a community of individuals who have rare diseases. They work with us and help us understand how can we start to address them and target those molecular pathways that can start to help those particular manifestations of those diseases
0: that sort of platform development approach and engagement between the medical research and patient communities.
2: That is where that precision medicine comes in. So it's kind of both about precisely treating and tailoring those treatments to the patient, but leveraging the generalized aspects of what's common within those diseases that we can apply to other types of diseases that have similar outcomes or similar manifestations of those diseases. So in this way, we're approaching it at a more than one disease at a time pace, but hopefully that will get us to more targeted therapies for these individuals and create a lot more tools in our toolbox to do so.
0: Another example of this precision medicine approach comes to us from the pandemic experience.
2: The mRNA vaccine was a huge win for us in terms of treatment development. It felt to people like the mRNA vaccine kind of appeared magically. It took less than a year to create a vaccine for COVID-19. That's really unprecedented. That said, it was actually 10 years prior to that, there was a lot of basic science research that went into developing the mRNA vaccines. It took 10 years to really hone that kind of an approach to develop and deliver and deploy those types of mRNA vaccines. The mRNA vaccines, that might be an inflection point, sparking the research community into being more creative, thinking about how to bring other modalities into the clinical realm, how we can do that better and faster, where we see many more treatments for the patients who need them. I think the mRNA vaccines will give us that hope.
0: Time will tell, but looking forward, what comes after precision medicine? What's the future of science becoming health?
2: going to be in the precision medicine era for a while. We still have a lot to learn from the genomic space, and I don't want to leave it just now that what we can do is add to that precision medicine era. In terms of science becoming health, it's about understanding and using data in ways that we haven't been able to use before. Data science is going to be a huge contributor to adding to our understanding of how to apply precision medicine approaches create these platform-based therapeutics that can be applied to more than one disease at a time, and using things like artificial intelligence, and machine learning, and even quantum computing. These are the types of areas that I think are becoming very exciting and can help us continue to add to the era of precision medicine and continue to use that as a way to make sure that science, the basic science that we do, indeed does become an opportunity for helping our health of the nation.
0: That's great news for all of us, and that's all the time we have for this edition of CTSI Discovery Radio. A very special thanks to our guest for appearing on today's show, Dr. Joni Rutter, Acting Director of the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences, NCATS. I hope you've discovered something by listening to today's show. And I'm doubly hopeful that you'll join us again next time. CTSI Discovery Radio airs the third Friday of every month. Make an appointment on your calendar and join us for each episode. On behalf of the Clinical and Translational Science Institute of Southeast Wisconsin and all of our affiliate partners and members, I'm Brian Belmer. wishing you happier, healthier days ahead. For more information about research or to listen to the podcast of this or any of our shows on demand, please visit our website at ctsi.mcw.edu. You'll also find it wherever you listen to your other favorite podcasts, including Amazon, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. CTSI Discovery Radio is written, produced, and hosted by Brian Bellmer in collaboration with WMSE Radio. The CTSI and this program are under the direction of Dr. Reza Shakir.